I wish I would evolve. Burton. I wish I would evolve. Burton. Where's my iconic slave role? Hey, motherfucker. I wish I would evolve. Burton. Fuck all y'all. Fuck all y'all. Wolf speed don't rainbow read me. Hello and welcome to another episode of Laps Gamer Radio. I am your humble host, Mark Hamer, and joining me tonight are Andy Piddy, Nick Case, and Mark Chazzy Ray. Good evening, gentlemen. Hello, hello. Good evening. Good evening again. Second attempt to record. <laughs> so how are uh, how are you all? Are you all ready for Christmas? Getting there slowly. Getting there very yeah. slowly. Yeah. yeah. Surrounded by presents. Yeah, I've got mine. Say, panic, panicking about presents I still need to get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, so I haven't got my, I haven't got anything yet for my significant other. Um, and Andy suggested that I get her a game, um, but she's notoriously hard to buy for. Uh, <clears throat> I've got a long history of buying video games for her, and then she plays them for a bit, and then sacks them off and never finishes them. Get her um, the Destiny Two Annual Pass. Uh, she's already she's got access to that already um, because we do the cheeky console sharing thing where my console is her primary and vice versa. Yeah, so we do that too. She's, it's great. So she's already got access to that, but it's 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 more a case of like convincing her to actually play something. So mm. so yeah, uh, me and my other half play uh, quite a lot of Destiny and other video other multiplayer video games um, with us and my other half's boss and then a mutual friend yeah. of ours. Which makes Destiny a nightmare because uh, you can usually have three people in a fire team, so one person has to sit out. Um, but I, I always have a real problem convincing her to actually play something with me. Um, it took ages to convince her to actually start playing Destiny Two with us again. Uh, and what what always happens is I would nag her to to play a, a game with me that I'm playing uh, this multiplayer, and then she says no because oh. she doesn't she can't be bothered and she wants to play something else and then her boss will start playing it with me and then you know on our mutual friend and then she'll start playing it and i i, I pulled her up on this the week and i was like how come you know whenever i uh i, I want to play a game that you say no and then like a few weeks later your boss starts playing it and suddenly you start playing it and she's like well he is my boss and i was like yeah, but i'm your boyfriend but <laughs> <laughs> Ah, so, the peer pressure. Yeah. so what i have to do is like for instance i'm playing black ops 4 um every now and then and i need a partner to play uh blackout with and zoe is just not interested in downloading it at all so at the moment what i'm having to do is to try and convince her boss to buy it and start playing it so that then she'll start playing it because if i ask her she'll just say no it sounds so, like a really rubbish version of game of thrones the political machinations yeah you have to yes, go through yeah I have to I have to get her boss to bully her into playing <laughs> particular video games. Uh um so yeah, I I haven't bought anything for her yet. So that's the rest of my week is uh trying to find something for her. Um so yeah, as long as you guys have all bought your significant others something, you're in a better position than I am. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yep. Already done. All, all done. Good. Locked Good. Down. Right, uh, a little bit of business. Um, as some of you might have seen on Twitter, uh, Stu's decided to step down from um, Mike's here at LGR for the foreseeable future. Um, 
Steve's put his heart and soul into this podcast for the past three plus years. Um, he's been on countless shows. He's edited countless shows, uh, and he's put on some put together some incredible interview episodes and some incredible articles uh, and reviews. Um, and yeah, he definitely deserves a, a break to recharge his batteries. He's just he just doesn't have the, the time or the energy at the moment to to uh, as he said to to, to commit as much as he feels that he'd need to to the podcast so he's stepping back for a while um so we'd all like to thank him for his hard work and Stu, if you're listening you'll be missed and we'll keep your seat warm for you if you ever want to come back that's it yeah podcasting is a harsh mistress it is like i say well i've been there i've I've, I've stepped away for god knows how long and yeah it it does get you but the amount of hours you have to put in is just just insane you know Mm mm-hmm Yes, yeah, yeah. It it can grind you down um, a bit, so um, I don't blame him for wanting to take a break. But hopefully, we we shall see. It's not the last that we'll have heard of. That's him. it. Like come back re- rejuvenated. Hopefully, yeah. that'd be lovely. Yeah, exactly. So with that out of the way, uh, let's get on to the the meat and potatoes of what we're here to talk about tonight. So, what games we've been playing? Andy, you're first on the list. Oh. What have you been playing? Well, um, finally completed Resident Evil 7, um, the main game. Last time I talked about it, um, I was in the main house and then I went to this old house. And then it takes you to a ship, which is somehow abandoned in the swamp. And it costs, it's all to do with a virus. And then it gets a little bit um, creepy with a little girl involved, as they all do. Seem to have a theme. Creepy little girl, black hair. Okay. It's a good game. I'm going to have to give Capcom credit for going off um, and doing something a bit different um, in terms of the setting, the old house in the deep south in the swamp. But, I don't know. Once again, you've got a T-virus. or some. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry, it's an E-virus now. Uh, not Las Plagas or whatever no, it was. No. No, it's, it's an E-virus. Um, right. And then the ending of it is a bit Take a, you get a gun essentially. You're still fighting a fighting a boss battle at the end. And you're just basically hitting a face in the head with your whatever weapon of choice, whether it be grenade launcher, whether it be a machine gun or whatever. So mm-hmm. the first half of the game when you're in the old house is absolutely amazing. It is really good. The atmosphere, the dread, the sound is brilliant. Then I think it loses itself when it goes and starts getting into all the virus types and starts explaining things, how this happened and what happened, the evil behind the bit. It's a bit of a surprise who's actually behind it, but the ending, we sort of just like, almost like the lost steam as we go through the game. Now, that's kind of been a bit of a hallmark of resident evil games as far as i remember i mean like everyone likes to go on about resident evil 4 being like mm. the pinnacle of the franchise and redefining um you know the action games especially and, and kind of setting a standard for a while at least for third person um action shooter sort of games um and they are right but like people always forget that the back half of that game was pretty bad yeah once you start going into like the underground labs and everything it's it, it, it became a pretty shoddy game to be yeah I, I dropped off hard on Resident Evil 4 as well hmm. well this is it this is, this start, you start getting into labs and stuff 
and one of the characters revealed to be something else and it's just it just loses its steam it seems to go back where we've had this great setting had the um that old house for family that attacks you constantly and then mm-hmm. you sort of go to the ship loses a bit more steam you take control of a woman um not because you take control of a woman that is a loser's steam it's just because of the setting itself is a ship and then you discover who the bad person is and then you go to another lab and it just and you go to an old mine where there's experiments going on and you're like really come on if you just left it at the old house done a five hour six hour game you'd have had a really solid game and at the end of it but because people the, would have complained though wouldn't they you know what people are like they're like oh it's too short yeah but you could have done it as a a DLC, I mean, a digital game only. There's ways around it. And, no way. Yeah. So, I'm still struggling, but I don't think I can recommend it to a lapsed gamer or such. Just for some of the faults at the start, where you can go into areas where you're basically underpowered and you're just going to get killed. And I think because it loses steam, I think I think the first half of the game is brilliant. I mean, if you were to play it, play up to the whole old house, and when you leave the old house and just go to the ship, just go, right, that's it, I've had enough. Don't play mm. it beyond that. Um, but overall, really happy what Capcom tried to do, tried to change it. It was first-person view. Technically, it's good, really good. The graphics are good. But same old problems with Resident Evil, the virus and the labs and everything else, and it's just like... Mm-hmm. Um, the other bit I played was the free bit of DLC that came with, that got released this year. I think it was the last bit of DLC for the game, which where you, it's called Not My Hero, and it's where you are a bit of a spoiler really, but you are, you play as Chris Redfield, um, and you sort of go back into the mines and into new different areas, but it's a bit more actiony, you know. Um, you've got weapons, you've, you've got grenade launchers, you've got all really powerful weapons. But for certain areas where it looks like a maze, you can get lost in, there's new enemies that you require a certain type of weapon to kill. It's good for a couple of hours. Um, it's good that you get it free. Um, because like the other bits you have to pay for, um, I'm part of the season pass, but adds, adds to it. I'm not going to say go get this game because of the DLC. Um, it does raise some questions about Chris, about what he's been doing now because he works for Umbrella. Twist upon twist. But it's if you play Resident Evil 7, then it's worth playing the DLC for it. Um, the other game, me, Mark and Adam played, which I just want to talk a bit about, Human Fall Flat. Um, mm. as You can watch it on the LGR YouTube um, um, uh, Just a quick note, last episode, I said by the time that episode would be out, we'd have the second part up. And then I did manage to get up. So by the time you hear this episode, <laughs> the second part will be up. <laughs> I swear. Basically, you're going to see us failing to row. But it was, it's just a great fun game. I don't. If I, I mean, you might you played this by yourself. I don't think I could have played this by myself. I think certain things with the um, physics and it's not as much. I don't see where I got the fun and the laughter out of it because it is just silly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was it's absolutely much more fun to play um, in multiplayer than it was to play on your own. Playing on your own, it was just a you know just a physics slightly wacky 
physics-y puzzler sort of game. Um, mm. Whereas it took a whole new dimension playing on its own. At first, I was a little bit unsure when we started playing it. I was like, it's kind of a shame that it's just exactly the same campaign, but you can play it in multiplayer. Um, but that didn't actually hinder it at all in the end. It kind of made it more chaotic and more funny. Um, but playing through... I mean, I, I, I played through the whole thing on my own mm. uh, and was kind of fine. I, I think partly because it's like... yeah, you, you, uh, <laughs> It's not like... Um, uh, you don't like if if you're struggling to climb up a piece of rock or anything like that, then you you don't and you're holding up the other people that you're playing with. You don't feel quite so bad mm. if, if it's just just you holding yourself up. Um, it's fine. It's just it's uh, putting in the the multiplayer was it was a great way to rejuvenate that game and to, and to get people talking about it again. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend it. You know, to a lapsed game. I think the puzzles are fairly. Simple and straightforward. You don't need um, you don't need friends to play it with either, no. um, or don't need friends who've got it uh, to play it with, uh, because it's got open matchmaking as well. Ooh. So you can just jump into a random mm. match with like up to seven other people and just yeah, I've, I've tried that a couple of times and it's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, it's that's really recommended. I really enjoyed that. Um, the other game I started off after Resident Evil this weekend was Lego Ven- The Avengers, which is basically going through the movies. It's got Age of Ultron. We've gone back to the first Avengers film. It's a Lego game. It's brilliant. It's mm. you know I've only played the first two levels of the campaign, but really enjoyable. Um, the reason I started playing that because I need a game where my daughter can be in the room with me at the time and she was falling asleep on me so I just uh, I'll stick this on so Resident Evil then yeah oh yeah I, would, I, I did consider it but um, <laughs> I thought maybe I'll just go Lego at this point um, so that's what I started I mean I started Rise but I've only played a little, about 5-10 minutes of that so I'm not even ready to talk about that myself but Lego yeah. highly recommended yeah you, you, you know what you're going to get with those Lego games yeah. and you can't really go wrong um some, yeah. isn't it? They're never going to surprise you, but they're never going to disappoint you either. No, no. The the, the, antithesis, the antithesis of fun, aren't yeah. they? They just they're just charming as all hell. So you, you could you can't really have a problem with them, especially if you know that going in like it's yeah. a mm-hmm. kids' game. Yeah. You know, you, you just can't. They're so solid; it's yeah, ridiculous. Absolutely. I mean, we do try to mix up things and add mm-hmm. things in, but overall. You know, the puzzles are quite simple and you get a lot of fun playing co-op with them. Mm. Cool. That's me. Nice. So, uh, Chazzy, what have you been playing? Yes. Um, I'm going to keep this one short and sweet as it's been quite short and sweet in my gaming this week. Um, I have been playing Minute, which I picked up. uh, It was on sale on the Switch. Mm. Uh, for like six pounds and I'd heard a lot of people sort of going on about it and it was just the the concept of it was really intriguing and I wanted to see how the how on earth that played out uh, the concept is that you have 60 seconds to do anything before you die in the game so you, the you start the game starts you have 60 seconds and you've got to try and get as far as you can in this kind of best way to describe it is like a I don't know, like a one bit. Like it reminds me of an old ZX Spectrum game, just black, straight black and white, mm. and you're exploring a Zelda-like world. And um, at first, I was just completely overwhelmed because I thought, "How am I ever going to even walk anywhere?" Or 
discover anything with just 60 seconds and suddenly like i kind of got over um like the initial i know sort of the initial hump like died a few times straight away just not finding where i was going or what i was doing and then suddenly i the sort of floodgates opened and i i worked out one puzzle and then that was it oh it all just completely made sense and i was i was traveling around the map and getting to different safe zones to reset the timer and yeah the, the game is that game is really really fun and interesting and plays with a lot of um conventions that you know uh, gamers have and like the expectations of what of what you can do you know you, oh i can go anywhere and do anything and oh, i'll come back here later and it plays with all those kinds of things that kind of kind of zelda tropes but yeah i was absolutely loving it and then sort of found I was an hour in and kind of half, nearly like three quarters of the way through the game. It was brilliant. Mm. It's a lovely little story as I've well. I've been kind yeah, of wondering um, about this game because how do you actually do anything? Because you've only got six seconds. Do the puzzles sort of keep unlocked once you've done them? Or is there some kind of roguelike mechanic where you keep certain items after you die? That's it. It, it does It does keep the roguelike thing going. Uh, yeah, like you say, you, there are certain items you pick up which then open other areas or make thing, different pieces of... Like, different mechanics start working for you, that kind of stuff. But also, it's got the mechanic of safe houses. Mm. So, everything is always 60 seconds from a safe house. So, it's down to you to kind of keep hopping from safe house to safe house. And, um, yeah, it... Like I say, and oh, there's just like there's so many fun little bits in it, like the endless desert, and you know, just it's literally there just to waste mm. your time, you know, and, and frustrate you. And uh, yeah, that's just wonderful. And like you say, all the puzzles they're not necessarily simple, but they're like you say they've got to be completed mm. in sixty seconds. So you're not you're not wasting your time banging your head against stuff. And that's what I was really enjoying about it. After, like, obviously complaining last week about Red Dead and it was just <laughs> not respecting my time. This is just the complete opposite of that. And it's just like, yes, okay, right, keep going. As long as you you kind of follow that, um, the logic of, uh, what, what, you know, like the uh, point-and-click adventure game logic. If you're following that kind of point-and-click adventure logic, then suddenly everything falls into place and you're just rattling through all these puzzles and... Yeah, you, it just it just flows really naturally and and really well. And like I say, it's got a lovely little story in it as well. And it's a bit bonkers, but um, but you would expect that from a game that's trying to you know play with your expectations. So yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And and an hour just disappeared. And yeah, it was one of the best games I've played this year. Yeah, that's one I need to go back to because um, I've only played about twenty minutes or so of it, um, but. Yeah, it's like certain things that you do uh, in the world persist after you die. Um, so complete yeah. if you complete a puzzle, that puzzle will stay completed when you die and, and restart and everything. It's just, um, it's just a very very interesting way to 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 approach a sort of kind of tired old um, genre. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are a million and one Zelda likes. Um, None of them have done done it quite like this. No, no, absolutely. But it's just it's the the controls are so simple. It's like two buttons, and obviously your joystick control. 
one button you know basically interacts with things and the other button kills you <laughs> so like, that's it and but then you, you're using killing yourself to get you as, as a fast travel back to a safe house so it, it even that even though it seems frivolous and a bit silly is actually has a use for resetting a timer and getting you back to trying again and it's one of those games where you bang you uh it's all about runs and banging your head against the wall and uh, you know there's there's a certain puzzle i was working on couldn't work out for the life of me how to do it so i was just constantly kill myself jump back to the safe house start again go in a different direction go in a different direction and you're just prodding and poking at all the areas and trying to see you know where where that kind of you know when you would pixel hunt in a in a point and click adventure it's that kind of thing and uh yeah it was great it just took me all the way back to playing monkey island for the first time and that kind of stuff it was great uh right uh what have i been playing um played a chunk more uh, starlink battle for atlas uh, which we talked a little bit about in the last episode um there is i'm i'm constantly surprised by that game um it's for something that's supposed to be, you know, a very, you know, like Adam described it in the last episode, baby's first uh, No Man's <laughs> Sky. Like there, there are a lot of like uh, intricate systems in there, and like kind of not loot because the weapons are all tied to you. Either have them unlocked, you get the digital version, or they're tied to the toys. But like mods and things like that, which change the way that the weapons operate and change how powerful they are. Um, there's a lot of grinding for stuff like that and hunting for 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 mods and for upgrades and um, running quests and sort of like building up the um, each of the planets is has like an indigenous um, you know uh, species living there and you you're basically helping them build up the resistance against the the, the big nasty in the story uh, and so outside of like pursuing main quests is like there's like quite a lot of stuff to do not busy work but like actual fun stuff to do uh outside of just exploring um and there's a lot of stuff to, there's a lot of exploring and discovering new species and um yeah I, I, every time i play that game i'm kind of surprised by how much there is in there um compared to what i thought the game would be uh so uh yeah, very very pleased with with uh, with that game uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 online. So that launched um, kind of sporadically. First day it was out with people who bought the super duper version. And then the next day they let people in who'd played the game on launch day. And then they drip fed people through the next few days. It's still in very much in beta. There's not a lot to do in there. Most of the story quests, because there is an actual online story, um, most of that is. Uh, as yet, uh, as of a few days ago, unavailable uh, at time of recording. It's both fun and annoying uh, at the same time. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's carried over from the main game. Uh, a lot of the systems and uh, some of the annoying busy work is carried over, but it's made kind of less annoying by the fact that you can fast travel uh, and you can, if you if if you can't be bothered to be just out in the in the main world, you can just jump into matchmaking for like horse racing or one of the variety of different uh, multiplayer like PvP modes. And some of them are really fun. Uh, there's one mode where um, as you get more kills, you, you uh, if someone else kills you, it's worth more points. And so 
um it's kind of like this weird way of progressing up the the leaderboard in a match because like killing different people are worth different values depending on how well that person is doing in that particular match um and then there's another mode where um you get more points if you get a kill with a weapon that's more difficult to use so you'll get more points for using a shotgun than using a rifle and you get more points than either of those if you use a you know tomahawk or whatever um but there is one major problem um in gta online uh you can go into passive mode if you couldn't be bothered to deal with griefers there is no passive mode in red dead online um there is a parlay and feud system which means if you get killed by another player four times then you can choose to either um carry out a feud against them at which point you'll be locked into a you know a death a spiraling death match and for for 10 minutes or something like that or you can choose to parlay um which means that that the other person cannot do damage to you or you can't do damage to each other for 10 minutes presumably so that you can talk mm. it out <laughs> as, if, as if you could talk a griefer into not killing you yeah. uh but if people have found um it's just made the griefers more persistent to the point where if someone goes into parlay with them they'll just follow them around for 10 minutes until that's up yeah. and then kill them again uh so it's there's been a couple of moments where it's been super annoying <laughs> uh, I was doing a like silly little strangers quest where I had like to deliver some mail within a time limit. So I was racing around all over the place and I had one more piece of mail to deliver. And as I was racing into town, I got shot in the head and had the mailbag stolen from me and I just rage quit the game. This is um, nice. So they need to sort... There's a lot of little things they need to iron out, but so far it's, you know, it's a pretty solid base um, on which to to build something uh i think once they get everything sorted out it'll be more enjoyable than gta online because there's less scope for wackiness but it's also less scope for griefers to hunt you down with the most ridiculous over-the-top weaponry because there it doesn't exist in that game so fingers crossed for that um sniper elite 4 uh i finished that uh if you played any of the sniper elite games you know exactly what it is you're a sniper and you shoot Nazis in the head and when you pull off a nice shot, it goes into slow motion. Then you get an x-ray <laughs> shot of the bullet passing through their body and doing lots of damage and whatnot. And you can shoot them in the balls or shoot them in the head or shoot them in various other organs or shoot them in the grenade on their belt and make them explode. Um, <laughs> the, it's As the series gone, it's got a lot... Uh, it's, always, it's always had the... Sniper element nailed. Uh, that part of the gameplay has always been fine, but as the series has gone along, they've managed to get a lot better at doing the stealth a lot better uh, because that game had for, a, for considering that like um, unless you manage to unlock a silenced gun, you're using a rifle. So when you fire it, then they can hear where the shot came from and they can triangulate where you were. Um, and in a lot of levels, you can like wait for artillery to go off or a plane to go over to mask the sound but the most of the time you're going to be sneaking around and for a lot of that game's that series existence it's been a bit uh a bit shoddy um but they they, they seem to have nailed it in sniper elite 4 so uh, i really enjoyed it it's set in in italy um so you're not just shooting nazis this time you're also shooting italians <laughs> Um, I tried to play some of the multiplayer. Uh, nobody's playing it anymore, which is a shame because I kind of like the idea of like a you know long ranged 
tense sniper battle against other players, but no one's playing it, so that's kind of a shame. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like that series. I've got a bit of a soft spot for it. It's dumb fun, um, and they finally start to get the stealth right, and I love stealth games, so I'm looking forward to Sniper Elite 5. If if there ever will be one, is it by Rebellion? Yes, yeah, so. uh, Rebellion. Uh, they also so they've done the four Sniper Elite games yeah. plus the Undead Army trilogy, and then Strange Brigade. Yeah, was their most recent game. Um, was it? That's I haven't played yet, hmm. but I've seen that's coming to uh, Game Pass. So I'm looking forward to playing that because it, it looks kind of interesting. Did yeah. you not play that at Resmart yeah. uh, Strange Brigade? It was, yeah. it was no, there. no. I, I did, yeah, I, but the, the queue was quite long yeah. for it. So. No, it was, I, I had a go of it there, and it was it was excellent, and then. I saw it, it was like, like £15 in the Black Friday deals and I was sorely tempted to pick it up. And uh, and it was only the fact that I just thought, I, I don't have a gaming group to kind of like grab four people. Because I've heard it's not bad playing it with like, you know, on your own, but like you do need at least a couple of you to really get the most out of it. Mm. And that's the only thing that stopped me from buying it. But like, well, it's going to be on Game Pass. So yeah, if you've got Game Pass, say, then yeah. just download yeah, it. Yeah, man, I'm definitely going to get involved yeah. in that. Speaking of Game Pass, I downloaded Ollie Ollie Two, the XL edition. Awesome game. Um, yeah, uh, I played. Is, is it Roll Seven? Yeah, Roll Seven. They made yeah, those yeah. games. They're so British developer, I think. They yeah. also made a game called. Um, oh, it's what just, was that wacky it's the shooter, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, quick quick Google foo. Not a hero. That's it. Yes, yes, not a hero, yeah. So yeah, Roll7 uh, made Oli 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 2, and then uh, Not a Hero, which is this crazy, wacky, over-the-top, and hilarious lo-fi 2D shooter that's, yeah, worth playing. Um, Oli Oli, uh, the first one uh, was uh, it's still, to this day, probably, the game that, that I played, um, the, the, the game that I played most on my Vita. Like I just played hours and hours and hours of that, trying to get nail all of the uh, challenges on every single level and beat all of my friends' high scores and whatnot. Uh, Oli Oli Two is was basically just more of that, a, but with a total um, refinement, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a more refinement. They added in like the manualing system and uh, more tricks and whatnot, and gave it a bit of a um, a graphical overhaul. Um, just basically polished everything up. And Oli Oli 2 XL Edition is basically the definitive version of that. So it's the definitive version of the best Oli Oli game, which makes it, in my opinion, probably the best skating game ever. So yeah, it's you know. it's 2D it's 2D Tony Hawks, isn't it? That's how it's always described when it came yeah, out. Yeah, you know how everyone bangs on about like, oh, we want Skate 4. Well, I want Oli Oli 3 um, more than <laughs> you want Skate 4. And I'll fight you over that. Um, yeah, it's just great, like score attack, two um, D, um, like but really, really easy to pick up but hard to master. It gets fiendishly difficult towards the end if you want to get all of the uh, objectives on every level. And then for every level, there's a second harder version of that level. Uh, you've got like the trying to beat your friend score attacks. Then they also have like the daily grind thing, which yeah. is like every day there is like a particular challenge and you can practice it as many times as you want but your actual run you can only do once and if you start doing your actual run and you bail at the first the first rail that's it that's your go get done <laughs> and like you're trying to you know see how high on the leaderboard you can get to and there's some people out there who are absolutely ridiculous like today's great daily grind is literally just one long rail uh 
and uh, it's not actually it's not even that long. It's just like one rail. There's a few screens long, uh, and the top score is like one and a half million points. And the best I could do is about thirty k. And I have no <laughs> idea how anyone gets one and a half million points. But yeah, it's great. It looks great. Sounds great. Feels great. It's got a killer soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack's um, amazing. And and also the way like in the game design that it teaches you new mechanics and how to yep. how to change stuff and how to get get better and better at the game as you go uh, go along it's yeah it really is a tour de force yeah and game uh, it is addictive though yeah massive so be warned if you're going to start playing it you'll find it very difficult to put down it will frustrate the hell out of you but you'll just keep going back because it's just oh so good ah oh, yeah ollie ollie too um Another great reason to have uh, Game Pass. Um, another, well, okay. I played two other games on Game Pass. Um, started playing today. Both of them are about time. One good, one bad. So I'll do the good one first. Uh, I played a game called The Gardens Between, um, which is a, I, pl- I started playing it and then finished the whole game in one sitting. Um Oh, I need to go back because there's a, there's a lot more achievements to get through. It's it's only the game only takes about an hour and a half to get through. Uh, it's this lovely little 2D puzzler, not a 2D, a, a, a lovely little like indie puzzler game um, where you're basically controlling. Well, you're not even controlling. There's like these two two friends um, moving through these sort of dioramas, these little isolated levels, kind of kind of uh, almost like, you know, Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker, like with the small little levels that, that spin around. Yeah, it's kind of like that. But you don't move the characters, per se. You They move on their own time. What you're doing is controlling time. So you push the stick to the right, and time goes forward. You push the stick to the left, and it goes back. And at various points, you can press an action button to make one of the two characters do something if they're by a particular bit contextual point. Monument Valley as well. Does that sound... Yes, yeah, kind of like that as well, yeah. Um, and basically it's just manipulating time because certain things that you do, um, everything operates on, on on these rails. So like when you move forward in time, things will happen. And when you move back in time, they'll reverse. But you can do things to make certain things interact independently of time or to change the way they things happen. It's really hard to describe. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's a really really charming little puzzle game um it's the whole thing is based basically it's about these two friends and all of the puzzles are based around items and memories that are important to the two of them uh and it's got a very very touching ending um without saying too much uh it's a lovely little game um great little puzzler but also like just looks lovely um lovely etheric soundtrack and so there's a lot of these games coming out at the moment all these kind of indie games that are kind of ethereal soundtrack lovely story you know bit of a hook to whatever the mechanic is you know and yes you know or hits you in the feels and yeah but there's not many games that like do both i mean it it, it doesn't uh, there's there's a lot of games that i played to have like hit me in the feels or made me scratch my head there's not many games do both yeah yeah. Uh, and this this is one of those games that's kind of that kind of did both. Like there were a few. I mean, I managed, like I said, I managed to get through the whole game in about an hour and a half, two hours. Okay. I've missed. A, I'm sure I've missed a bunch Ooh. of secrets because I've only got like twenty percent of the achievements. Um, but yeah, it um, it was very 
intriguing but and very thought provoking and uh it's definitely one i'm going to play through again on the flip side uh i played quantum break or i played the first act and watched the first episode of the live action tv show uh tied up with quantum break uh, so Quantum Break is by uh, the developers of uh, Nick, your your favourite game. Um, it is Alan remember? Wake. Alan remember Wake, me. yeah. Now Alan Wake was great, uh, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. Uh, really? Yeah, I, oh, no, it, I, yeah. loved, I loved Alan Wake, and I loved uh, Alan Wake, the uh, American Nightmares, what it was called, the Xbox Live Arcade one that was set in the desert, mm-hmm. uh, in like a trailer park thing. Um, and then, of course, before that, there was the. Um, Shit, what was it made with the, the bullet time shooter? Max Payne. Max, Max Payne. Payne, yeah. Like, they had <laughs> some hilarious, like, unintentionally, I'm sure, hilarious cutscenes, like, with, with uh, Max Payne selling, the train was lit up like a Christmas tree, and stuff like that. Um, so, Quantum Break is a middling cover shooter um, with really awkward animations that it's kind of made bearable by the fact that your character can manipulate time and like freeze enemies or like do like a weird dash or have a time shield and lots of <laughs> wacky stuff like that, that 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 just about holds together a really awkward combat system which is weird because like remedy have been making um games that have had at least decent combat for a while i don't know why it feels so bad and why the animations and the character movement is so bad in in quantum break i am only an episode in (laughs) to it (laughs) but it's basically like there's this guy trying to experiment with time travel and then he does succeed in time travel and then himself from 17 years in the future comes back and now he's the bad guy and then and it's like uh, my head hurts that's what it sounds like to me like and the bad guy is played by aiden gillen and aiden gillen is an amazing actor but he's never been very good at covering up his irish accent and so also i can't ever see him as anything other than Littlefinger or mayor carchetti from the wire um and then lance reddick also from the wire is in it uh and they're in cutscenes and in the live action show and they're both far too good to be in this thing and the fact that they are not chewing the scenery is incredibly disappointing and um it's just i'm going to carry on playing it uh because i want to see if the story actually goes anywhere um what is the ratio yeah um dominic moynihan's in it as well kind of a bit i was going to say what's the ratio between playing the game and watching the tv show because obviously this was supposed to tie into like a a show that was actually on tv but then then sort of it all went a bit pear-shaped and they just built it into the game so that's the only thing that's put me off um, playing this is that i just feel like i'm going to go for like a 45 minute cutscene so i'm going to try and explain this because like the whole thing it's like uh, it's like i started the game and it felt like i'd started watching a trashy tv show on like the third or fourth (laughs) episode and uh, everything uh, all the important stuff had already been introduced in episodes that i hadn't seen yet but that's not the case it just starts like that and so the guy who played um one of the x-men that narrows it down um, oh yeah, Iceman. He played Iceman. Iceman. That's right, it. Iceman. Yeah, I, whatever his name is, the cold dude from uh, <laughs> X Men, is the yeah. main character, and 
Aidan Gillen, a young version of Aidan Gillen as his old college friend. And his, him and his brother have been working on some experiment, but his brother's gone off. And, and he now, now he needs Iceman's help to make the experiment work. And then everything goes wrong and there's a fracture in time. And if they don't, <laughs> if they don't fix it, then time will end. This is written by an eight-year-old. Um, I don't know. <laughs> if, if it and then there was like a spider it. and a dragon. Yeah, if if it feels like it, and like you, it feels you like you need Jeff Goldblum in it. Like I, you, your character, the, the the Iceman says at one point, like he said, like oh, I've I've handled a gun before, and I don't handle myself, and it's like okay, that's great. It would be really good if you actually told us anything about this character, so that we have some idea about who he is, or what he did, or why he knows how to handle a gun, or why within ten minutes of starting the game you have murdered fifty or sixty people, like. Um, there's one, but there's a bit where like um, you're not long after you've gotten your time powers, um, you're going to leave a room, uh, and there's a load of uh, armed soldiers walking around searching for you, and you run into the room and crouch behind. And it's dark, and they've got torches, and you're crouching behind a table, and you think, right, okay, so this is going to be a stealth section. Get past all the guards and get out. Um, and I thought that was, I started looking about, well, where's the exit? Where am I going to get to? And then I saw the objective in the corner and it said, take out all the guards. <laughs> and so you don't even get the option of just, you know, getting out of there. You have to kill everyone in the room before it will let you progress. For no reason whatsoever, you just have to kill them because That's how the game's decided that you're going to, yeah, the game's yeah. decided you're going to kill them all. Um, and like I, the, the the shooting was really awkward and clunky, so I thought, okay, well maybe I can just run up and hit them. But there isn't a melee button. You cannot melee. You can only shoot, and the shooting's right. bad. Um, and it's oh god. And so I did this for an hour, and then suddenly I was in control of Aiden Gillen's character. Sorry, that the evil version of Aiden Gillen from Seventeen Years in the Future's character. Uh, and then he had to make a choice. He's in charge of some company called Monarch, and you have to choose whether to like start killing all of these protesters to make sure there are no witnesses to what you're doing, or um, enact like a, a PR campaign to make everyone turn against Iceman to make life easier, whatever. It's like, why are you letting me decide what the villain is going to be doing? Because you can decide whether you want the game to be easier or not, and it and like. It presents it as like, well, you've got to make this difficult moral choice. And it's like, no, he's the bad guy. Like, if he does bad things, he's still the bad guy. If he does good things, he's still the bad guy. So I don't get it. And then based on the choice you make, you get one of two 22-minute ep- live-action episodes. Jesus. And right. You can skip if you want. Um, you can download them, but it's like 70 gigs. Uh, and I couldn't be bothered, so it just streamed in really low bitrate. Um and it's just like the like really badly acted uh, and really badly directed schlock action. Um, there was one particular scene where uh, one guy fought another person and the fight was over in about five or ten seconds. And I swear the camera cut about 20 or 30 times. It made me feel seasick. Like, um, it's just really badly put together. And like I said, like the, the only redeeming feature, because like, I've watched trash TV um I've talked before about how for a good while I really enjoyed a show called The Blacklist, which was awful, but had James Spader in it. And he was just <laughs> chewing the scenery. And it was because of that. It was great. Um, 
neither Nathan, neither Aiden Gillen or or Dominic Moynihan or uh, Lance Reddick or anyone like that seem to be having any fun. They're just there reading their lines and then they move on. And at the end of the, the first 22 minute episodes, I was like, I can't play any more of this today. How many more episodes have you got? Is it a full season, 24? So as far as I understand, there are three, three, three sections where you will have a 22 minute episode. Um, and right. there are six of them in total, but you only get to see three, depending on the three choices, three arbitrary choices you make all the way through. And spoiler alert, because someone already told right. me, it doesn't matter what choices you make. There is only one ending to the game. <laughs> uh, it just feels like it feels the like they spent game, yeah. so much money making something so disappointing and pointless. Like Remedy, Remedy can and have done better than this. Quantum Break's a really sad game because Remedy proved with Alan Wake what they were capable of doing in the terms of storytelling in games and word build, world building. And then they got in bed with Xbox and Xbox were pushing TV and Xbox One, it's going to be the one mm. device you need, it's going to play all your TV and media. Here's a TV show. No one wanted it. They spent far too long developing a game that was less than the TV show they were trying to build. And it, it just didn't work. And it's really sad. And I really hope that Control is going to be the quantum break that it should have been. It does. Because it's looking like it's going to yeah, be better. It does smack like um, a, a marketing guy somewhere said, right, we want to... We want something that's transmedia. We want something that's that you know does both. Goes brings games into the world of TV and TV into the world of games. And we're gonna find a mm. really cool developer who does the you know who does really experimental stuff. And in theory, you know, if it all went well, then you know it could have been amazing. But it's just one of those massively failed experiments that you know. People will look back in you know years to come and sort of go, "Wow, like they 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 really swung for the fences and missed on that one." But you know, oh, now we're doing it. That and game it's, came you know, out blah, in two thousand sixteen, so it's not like it's a relic or anything like that. It's not even like it's like no, no, that's what like, I mean. Sometimes if you go back and play like, um, say if you were to go and play Killzone Shadow Four or something like that, a launch game from this generation is kind of like, well, you know, it was a launch game or whatever. But this was like uh, three years into this generation when this game came out, uh, and I mm. think it was still kind of a remnant of the Don Matrick era at Xbox. And when, yeah, it mm. was the Xbox yeah, One, was. you know, one device. It it does everything. So now your games do everything as well. Now your game is game and your favorite TV show as well. <laughs> but it wasn't ever going to be a good TV show or a good game. None of your favorite actors are there. Oh, well, I, I love Lance Reddick. I mean, he's Commander Zavala from Destiny. Yeah. So, and he was in he was in The Wire. <laughs> and like Lance Reddick's great, and Aidan Gillen's a great actor, and you know Dominic Moynihan's a pretty good actor as well. But like. Like you say, yeah. it, could, it, could it, have, it could have worked. It could have, but it just doesn't. Yeah. Um, and yes, it's a it's a massive shame. Um, and like all of the little niggling problems and everything wouldn't be quite so... Would, would be a little bit easier to overlook if it wasn't for the fact that the fundamental act of running around and shooting, which the game forces you to do, was if that wasn't so bad. Like, it feels yeah. like... Mm. Like we nailed third-person combat last generation, um, arguably even the generation before then, and yet this game can't get like 
you know, the simple act of like you can't fire from cover or anything like that. You you can get into cover okay. if if you want your character to shoot the gun, he has to stand up to full height and then awkwardly <laughs> aim his gun and and fire. And like even when you're pointing the crosshairs directly over your enemy, half the bullets seem to miss. And I oh, I could go on for hours about how bad this game is, but <laughs> I'm still going to finish it. I'm still going to finish it. You know. oh, I cannot believe you're going to finish it. Hey, it was on game. It was on Game Pass. Like, <laughs> I'm get. I'm getting my seven ninety nine a month worth out of Game Pass, even if I play. <laughs> even if I play rubbish. Rinsing I mean, it. I'm I'm trying uh, to play all of the Xbox exclusives that I missed out on because I've only, only I've only had an Xbox for less than a year. You know, I recently played Rise: Son of Rome, and that was, oof. yeah. Um, oh dear, yeah, I've, had, I've got plenty of problems with that game. Um, and I'm playing through. Uh, I was playing through the Halo Master Chief Collection so that I could finally get up to playing Halo Five. And um, you know, I mean, there there, there have been some uh, Xbox exclusives that I played that I've really enjoyed. Sunset Overdrive is a really good game. Um, this is it's not a great game. This is most definitely not. Um, <laughs> avoid talking about games that were ambitious and you know ultimately disappointing. Oh, segue. Do we go? Do we, Nick, tell us about another David Cage game? <laughs> yeah. Well, is it is it full of emotions? Yeah. It was full of emotions. There was a lot of emotions. There was a lot of acting. That some of it hit the mark, some of it didn't. Probably more hit the mark than Quantum Break. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I've heard differing things about this game. We're, yeah. we're talking about Detroit Become Human. I mean, right? I've never is played it? a David Cage game before. So never. this is my first. Really? Uh, oh my wow. God. I played the first uh, scene of Heavy Rain where you're in the house, you've got to shake the orange oh. juice and you've got to brush your teeth and uh, it was crap. With his weirdly French kids. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so I didn't really know what to expect going into Detroit. And I really liked it. I really, really liked it. Um, like I say, some of the acting felt a bit forced, but more of it hit than didn't. It's kind of like if... Well, I'm going on the games that I've played. It's if Until Dawn had a baby with a Telltale game. That's kind of where it is on the mark. It's It takes the decision-making from Telltale, so you'll sometimes then narration you'll get the four buttons you've got to choose which path to take but there's also all the quick time events that are kind of like from until dawn so essentially you play three androids who at some point in the story all of them have a chance to become sentient and go against their programming and you one of them is leading a revolution to kind of make androids become recognised as people or a new species. I'm not going to go into spoiler territory because uh, obviously it's still quite a new game. Is it really spoilers to say that what I understand is a lot of this game is just press X to awkwardly co-op the civil rights movement? Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, there is different things. So you play three different people. One of them is leading this android revolution, and you can essentially choose whether you want to be pacifist or whether you want to be... Um, what's the opposite? Revolutionary. Pacifist. Revolutionary, yeah. So you can be an anarchist or a pacifist. For most of my playthrough, I think I, w- I stuck with the pacifist. Uh, I-, I do want to go back and do... Um, 
another playthrough where I'm a bit more aggressive, mm. purely because it's it's quite an easy platinum as well, which, <laughs> which it, it always draws my attention. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you play as him, and he starts out as essentially a caretaker for an old old artist man. And the first scene where you've got a it's it's kind of, it's very reminiscent to the uh, start of Heavy Rain actually because you've got to wake this old guy up, you've got to give him his tablets, you've got to go and make his breakfast, and do all of those kind of David Cage things. But then his son, there's a scene with his son where essentially he the old man dies. I've played both of the choices through and there's no way to stop the old man from dying. And that's where Marcus, which is the android man that you play as who leads the revolution, that's where he becomes sentient. So he makes a decision to break his programming to try and save the old man, essentially. And then he leads the revolution. The other woman you play, she is a... She's another care person. Essentially, all androids are helpers. They're not. They're not doing anything good for the world. They're just helping some one person who's bought them. Mm-hmm. And so the other woman is essentially being a housekeeper for an incredibly aggressive, abusive man who has a daughter as well. And the daughter is called Alice, and she's the main source of emotions in this game. So she's the one you choose to save her from her abusive father, which I know gained a lot of bad press for them when uh, certain scenes were shown out of context as a, as a demo, and then the Daily Mail and the Express caught hold of it and put a lot of headlines about, look at these games, child abuse and all this. But it's not entirely accurate. Um, so you, you do save her from her situation essentially. Um, And then the other one you play is a detective. And I think the detective sections were actually some of the best done in the game. They were what I enjoyed the most because they had a kind of L.A. Noir um, feel to it where you go into crime scenes and he's got special camera eyes and he can analyse the scenes and then rebuild scenes of what what happened. Uh, And you can choose to take different directions on what you think may have happened and rebuild the crime scene sort of thing. So actually, that could have been a really fun game on its own. So essentially, you're playing these three separate androids and eventually, at the end, all their paths converge into one and the whole story links up, kind of. It feels a little bit forced the way they all come together but it does work in a roundabout sort of way. Uh, The thing that I think really swings it for me as to how much I enjoyed it is the um, flowchart. So at the end of every chapter, you get to see the flowchart of all the decisions you made throughout the game. And the ones that you did were kind of in blue and you can see the text of what you did. So it's like Kara chose to save Alice, let's say and Kara found the gun and stuff. And then all the other ones that you didn't choose or you didn't find are in grey, the greyed out, so you can see how many other decisions there were that you could have done and how many other outcomes there were you can get. So the replayability from that, it does really make you want to go back and try and get all the different endings and all the different things and discover everything um, if you're a bit of a completionist, which I pretty much am. So all in all, it's a really good game. Um, I... I enjoyed it for what it was. I didn't go in with great expectations and I only paid 14 quid for it as well on Black Friday. And it, it's definitely worth that much. It's pro- I'd probably pay 20, 25 quid for it. But I can see if someone thought this was going to be sort of 
up there with your Spider-Mans and your Red Dead Redemptions. It's not anything <sighs> like that, but it's it's a certain experience that caters to anyone who has enjoyed a Telltale game or, or who really loved Until Dawn. Something like that would get a lot of enjoyment out of Detroit. See, one of the things, problems I've always had with David Cage is that his insistence that, you know, incredible levels of, incredible numbers of polygons and, and uh, fidelity, graphical fidelity is required to make you feel emotionally attached to a character. And he concentrates on that stuff mm. and not enough on, and I haven't played Detroit, but I've played uh, other David Cage games. And like, he doesn't concentrate enough on writing a coherent story or at least hiring somebody else to write a coherent story for him. And so they're, they've always been technically and graphically you know, impressive, but I've ne- not felt anything. I played all the way through Heavy Rain, and it, the game left me cold. And mm. then I played Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, where like, there is no... Dis- there's no um, legible dialogue at all and there's no you know facial no detailed facial expressions on the characters and that game left me in tears and you know um it's 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 always kind of annoyed me but with this i am very tempted because uh i've always been basically he decided to tackle an aspect of sci-fi that's always really interested me um because it's basically the plot of, uh, you know, Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2048, which are two of my favorite films of all time. Um, you know, what it what it is to be human, you know, uh, can artificial life be considered, you know, sentient? Um, mm. But... I'd be I'd be interested. I'm going to play it at some point, but I'd be interested to to hear. Um, have you ever played um, Subsurface Circular? I haven't yet. It's on my list because uh, it's right. Mike Bithell. Um, yeah, I've just not got around to it yet. Because that is a well, that's basically like a murder mystery story wrapped in a similar sort of um theme uh these are the, the, everyone that all the characters and everyone that you interact with are robots that that work uh who are subservient to humans and they work in particular industries and have uh you know pushed humans out of certain types of industry which has led to a lot of resentment towards them uh, and i I'd, I'd like to see on comparison which one you think handles that sort of yeah i mean david cage has definitely tried to approach some of those issues there's there's one scene in particular very near the start where you got to go into town to pick up some paint um and it's actually this this particular scene was the first one where i I was looking around me and i was thinking these graphics are absolutely stunning there was puddles on the floor with proper um uh, reflections rather and shadows work and leaves dropping and I, i really did think when we saw videos on E3 of what the PlayStation 3 should have looked like, you know, with the Killzone demo that they originally launched. This is it. We're, we're actually at this stage now. It's It looks stunning. Mm-hmm. And then this human protest was gathered around the corner and they were trying to be all, oh, we, we've lost our jobs because of androids and obviously you walk past them, so they try and get in your face about it. And mm-hmm. like you say, it didn't really... The writing wasn't good enough and it, it just felt forced that interaction in particular because you've got to walk straight past them to get to the paint shop which of course triggers a cut scene and then it goes into the whole you've got one choice which is essentially um say three 
random words. This is another thing that quite was quite annoying is when you have to make a, a narrative choice, you've only got the like the first two words potentially. Mm-hmm. So it's very much you don't know where they're going to go with it. And sometimes you picked one option thinking he was going to say something and he said the complete opposite different thing because obviously words have two different connotations and you yeah. thought the different one. So obviously something like sarcastic, it can be funny sarcastic or bad sarcastic and then the other person doesn't like you because of it. And so that's that was another thing that kind of annoyed me a little bit. But I still think overall it it was a good game. And for what I paid for it, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Just don't go in with big expectations that he's going to rewrite the whole genre. It is very much an entry level sci-fi android future. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm 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 really intrigued and I really want to play it. But that's what I'm also worried about is the fact that because it's a, it's a subject matter that there is something that interests me a lot um i'm just worried that he's gonna fuck it up completely because <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't got a great track sounds record. better than quantum break though yeah that's a good point maybe i'll play it directly after playing quantum break and i'll think it's like citizen kane that's it yeah he played anything else at all other than chipping away at pokemon let's go not really um i've, I've actually ah. been trying out the you can play pokemon go with just one joy con which is quite Ooh. nice for when you're just doing something else or you're watching TV and you, you just you don't want to be there with your whole handheld. You can just put your switch on its kickstand and then just have one control and just sort of like lay back and control the whole game from one Joy-Con, which is quite mm-hmm. it's quite nice to be honest because you've you've always been shackled to having two hands mm-hmm. active whenever you're playing a game. And you can just sit there with one Joy-Con, something else, you know, you can either your phone or some food, anything. It's it's really liberating, actually. <laughs> yeah, my other half uh, got the um, version of uh, Let's Go Eevee with the, the, the Pokeball controller. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, she brought that around the other day, uh, and was just while I was doing some editing stuff, she was sat there uh, playing it with that. And it's kind of like, yeah, you just hold it in one hand, um, and you, you've got a thumbstick on top for moving it, and then one button to for back like that's it there's just two buttons on it and then like you have to do the emotion of throwing it to catch the pokemon yeah it's can sometimes be a little bit off and it it throws the balls in a direction that i could swear she wasn't throwing the flinging the thing in but um yeah it's it's kind of a neat little uh controller like a neat little idea of being able to it, it is kind of cool to be able to just sit there and just lazily play something with one hand you know um so and that like i that was the first time i'd actually seen the game up close i think it's the first mainline if, if you call it a mainline pokemon game one that's not like you know taking photographs of pokemon or whatever uh that's been on you've been able to play on a big tv yes every other one's been handheld so it's kind of yeah that's kind of neat um yeah absolutely gorgeous um and yeah it, uh, just watching her play through that for a couple of hours is already getting pangs of um you know, nostalgia for the good old days of running around the Kanto region. Uh, and so when she's finished with that, I'm definitely nicking it off her <laughs> to play it. Um, <laughs> the one weird thing about the, um, like the Pokeball controller thing is that it's got like a speaker built into it. And then you, like, you can store a Pokemon inside it and take it for a stroll when you go out for a walk and it'll level up and whatnot. But when you shake it, you get this sort like, you know, like uh, the old Pokemon noises. I don't know if you've noticed this in it, but like, um, 
Eevee and Pikachu make like you know Pikachu says Pikachu, you know whatever and uh, doesn't talk in uh, Ryan Reynolds' voice and Eevee <laughs> has all of her, uh, has all of its noises, but every other Pokemon ha- makes the noise that they did back in their old yeah. Game Boy one, you know um, the old Game Boy uh, noises, and so. Whenever she shakes her poker controller, there's just like the sound of that. Some tortured Pokemon, some tortured 16-bit Pokemon coming out of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it looks like a really cool little game. Um, and uh, yeah, it's definitely one I want to get on at some point because I love me some old school Pokemon. Like I was saying on the last episodes, uh, the way that Pokemon's gone in recent ones, it's kind of left me behind a little bit. I'm still mm. persevering with Ultra Sun, but it's it's not the Pokemon that I know... You know, maybe it's just an old curmudgeon and it's too too advanced for me now. Yeah, I mean, it, there's just something nice about there being only 151 Pokemon where mm-hmm. you could still remember all the names, you knew what they all did. And yeah. now there's over 800, I think. There's just far too many. 800, wow. Yeah, and you, you don't need to have like the... Uh, I'm not sure, actually, if you needed it in Ultrason or anything like that, but like on the, the old Pokemon's like, you used to have to have the... You used to have to have your HM Pokemon for cutting down trees or moving boulders or anything like that the one that was like useless apart from doing things to help you get through um certain obstacles and that's not in this at all like they've, they've got rid of all of that nonsense yeah you, they, they've now done it where your either pikachu or eevee just learns a special move and it doesn't count as one of their attacks or anything so they can cut trees down and surf or do whatever and yeah. it doesn't count as a move yeah. you don't need to keep a token pokemon like you said just for surfing and cutting a tree down it's it's they, yeah. they have made they've really gone back and refined the original game and it's mm. it's exactly what it, pokemon needed really to remind it's reminding people why pokemon is great and yeah if that's what they're setting up for for next year i'm all in nick would you recommend uh, detroit um for a lapsed gamer is it something that can be played in like bite-sized chunks i think so yeah i it... mean most of the chapters lasted probably about 30 minutes so you could really okay. play it in sit down little chunks almost as if you'd watch a tv show uh, and it's also quite a good one if if you've got another half or something that likes watching tv you could probably watch it uh, sorry play it together and make decisions yeah. each with each other sort of thing um so I, I especially because i know the price it was a black friday and i know it's probably going to come down again after christmas sales wait till then and then probably pick it up chazzy i presume you would recommend minute considering you can oh, play yeah. it in 60 oh, seconds <laughs> yeah that's it 60 I mean, second chunks um, you can complete <laughs> i reckon you can complete the whole game in two hours and like you say it's 60 second chunks if you haven't got that time then just give up yeah at that point <laughs> andy um what would you recommend from your list for a lapsed gamer uh lego avengers and human fall flat yeah good choices good choices um yeah like i said like, i haven't played lego avengers but you can't go wrong with a lego game and human fall flat no. is just wacky good fun um at my lists uh i would say i would absolutely not recommend quantum break um <laughs> i'd actively avoid that uh ollie ollie 2 xl edition uh well any of the ollie ollie games are great like you can just it's just something that especially um if you've got uh, a, a vita i don't know if ollie ollie 2 xl edition has come to the switch but i played the hell out of them on on vita they're perfectly suited or handheld so if you've if you've got a Vita and you get a hold of Oli Oli or Oli 2, then definitely do that. Um, but I would say my pick for a lapsed game would be uh, The Gardens Between. 
Um, lovely little game. Uh, each of the levels can be completed in I don't know, you know five minutes, maybe ten tops, and the entire game it can be can be completed in less than two hours. Uh, and it's a lovely little story. Um, so yeah, the Gardens Between would be my recommendation. <laughs> Uh, well, that's it for another episode. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, as always, you can go and check us out on YouTube. Um, just search for Laps Gamer Radio. Uh, I promise by the time this episode comes out, there will be the second half of the Human Fall Flat episode. <laughs> and then I don't know what's next for LGR Play, uh, what game we're going to do next, but um, there there will be something. I've got a few uh, irons in the fire with, 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 uh, with that. Lapsgamer.com is our website uh yeah we will we'll get back to, up to speed with writing stuff yeah on that's website, it because we've, we've been neglecting it so yeah keep your eye on uh, lapsgamer.com and we'll have some stuff on there um if you want to get in contact with us of course you can reach us on twitter at lapsgamer and you can drop us an email to lapsgamer radio at gmail.com uh any anything else any other business anything anyone want to say no 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 nope. no that's it good right let's go to bed <laughs> in the in the giant in all of us together in the big uh laps gamer bed um we'll see you all in a couple of weeks Ta-ra. Yes. see ya, see ya. Congratulations. It's time to call mom and dad. Tell them that the second mortgage they took out for your degree was worth it because you now have a job. But a job is not a career. No, 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 no. A job is just a foot in the door. If you want a career, you want to be standing where I'm standing 15 years from now, then you had better listen very fucking carefully to the next 176 words out of my mouth because this is your new reality. When you walk through that door each and every morning, your ass is mine. There will be no cell phone use. There will be no smoke breaks. There will be no conversation and putting it to the job. There will be no motherfucking shits taken unless authorized by me personally. And if you happen to be lucky enough to get that authorization, you will have exactly four minutes and 30 seconds to expel your fecal material, wipe your ass and wash your filthy hands and get back to work. And if I happen to come across a shit smear in the toilet bowl of that employee restroom, I will personally go to each and every one of your homes and shit in places that will leave you confused for the rest of your lives.